Welcome to the newest episode of It's My Turn with Charlie Turner Thorne. I'm Charlie Turner Thorne, the head coach of Arizona State University women's basketball. I've been a head coach for 26 years, so I'm used to getting asked the hard questions. There's always a lot of pressure to win while developing the lives of our 18 to 22 year old women. The most challenging part of all this? Well, all of it. But now it's my turn to ask the questions while hopefully sharing a few nuggets of my own about leadership and building a winning culture. Debbie Antonelli, you're on the hot seat. This woman is absolutely one of the most influential women, people in the game of women's basketball at every level. It is such an honor to have her as our first guest on our first ever Your Turn with CTT. Debbie Antonelli, you're on the hot seat. (laughs) Hey, CTT, you know, you know me. I do know you, and now, <laughs> and I know um, how incredibly you. brilliant you are, and how much you care about this game that we both love. And our first, my first question for you, um, this really came up in at our Pac-12 meetings, and of course, it's 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 a really hot topic right now. But how how do you how do you feel about the California law SB two hundred six? You know, it's very much um, a hot topic because it's it could has implications for all of college athletics. Yep. I think uh, a lot of things about it. Um, number one is um, I think it's what the student athletes have, not what they don't have. And I, f- I think people really uh, understood all the services that student athletes are provided, how well they're taken care of on campus, how much opportunity and resource they have already to succeed. I think people would be really interested in in knowing all that. Now, um, there's a lot of implications to the potential uh, groundbreaking decisions that the NCAA is going to have to make about this, right? Because California's forced their hand. Um, and, I, and other states are, including other, yours, right. your home state, South Carolina, might, might be yeah. following. It's kind of a slippery slope. It yeah. is. It is. It's very dangerous in terms of um, how you manage it and how you navigate it. Do I think that uh, if an athlete thinks that their name and likeness is worth um, something in their own marketplace, uh, as an ec- uh, economist, I would say that... Uh, you know, the market value uh, of people is going to come to fruition. Uh, I think people are going to find out there's some places that uh, a, a student athlete who's a quarterback at a top-level program probably is going to get some deals. But I, I don't know how it's going to affect the rest of the resources. And I would hate to be a coach in this time where you're going to have to worry about managing somebody's minutes versus their representation in the community and how their value could change to the dollar in the market because that's going to affect how you manage your team, how it affects the rest of your team. And uh, we go from we to me very quickly. Well, I love your initial comments. And I'll just throw a comment in as well, because most people that weigh in the the talking heads, you're not a talking head, but, you know, some of these pundits and and I think John Oliver is hilarious, but he he did a little bit on this a year ago. And I was furious about it because he has no clue. He doesn't understand that people that come to college with a high school education and no resources are getting coached, are getting resourced by all the you know best trainers, strength coaches, you know sport coaches, you know the best medical care they'll ever get in their life. I mean, you know, when you add up all of that up, they are getting paid. How does it change for a kid that gets in on a special exemption? 
Not every kid gets in on their own. I'm a, a parent that pays tuition. My kids <laughs> have to make their way into college. You right. know, you go to college because you want to better yourself. If that's a part of, uh, I'm not saying no to it. I'm just saying that's a part of managing it. And then how does it affect high school sports? Because if you can do it in college, you lose your amateur status in high school, then why couldn't the kid uh, playing high school get the same opportunity as well? It's going to change sport as we know it. I'm a purist about sport and what it means as a mom with three kids who play. I want them to understand why they play and how sport fits into the rest of their life. And being on a team is something that you're going to do for the rest of your life. How's that, CTT? <laughs> I love it. And, you know, as a purist as well in college athletics, you want to go pro and make money off your likeness, go pro. But that would serve, as you alluded to, maybe 5%, maybe less of overall student-athletes, yeah. probably 1%. And then if, you know, if, if a lot of this money is, is, is dedicated to them, I would never begrudge them that, but it is going to impact all of the other sports to, to, to the point of maybe losing them, you know, and, and that would be, in my opinion, my humble opinion, you know, a tragedy. All right, next topic. Great. Here we go. Okay. okay, you're a true visionary of the game. Maybe <laughs> the visionary. Always, always way ahead of everybody, um, including me. Um, so what, what's your vision? Maybe 10 years, fast forward 10 years, and not even just women's basketball, but, you know, you do the men's ACC. Like, you, you know the game globally at every level. You know, but let, let's, women's basketball for sure, but then even overall, like, where, where do you see us headed? I hope one day that high schools across the board will put a shot clock in because I think that <laughs> hear that Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, the state of South Carolina also. I think it's uh, it's going to only help players become better. Um, I think that helps offense, and you know, I think offense is really important. So I think uh, I see the game continuing to evolve in pace. I see better shooters. I look at NBA, and I see those guys don't miss an open shot. Okay, they're pros, they're make shots. And, and how about the draft with the drafting of the shooters? Yes. You know, that's like, important. I mean, yeah, you're getting high mid major kids that are great right. shooters, not just these athletes that are bigger, faster, stronger. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. So I'm all about offense, Charlie. You know that. And I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how offense affects the promotion, the price, and the placement of our game. So as long as we continue to increase field goal percentage, which is really important. It's not the um, the four quarters, and it's not the two free throws that have increased scoring. Field goal percentage has increased scoring, and we've got better players now than we've ever had. Product's as good as it's ever been. It's only going to get better. And uh, in the next 10 years, I see instead of two or three teams that shoot 50% from the floor, in 10 years, I expect there to be 15 or 20 women's basketball teams shooting 50% from the floor. I hope that we're one of them. I will be. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working towards that, and I agree with you. I mean, there's the formulas for the teams that are in the Final Four every year, and the three biggest statistics are field goal percentage, for sure, and then it's assist-to-turnover ratio, and then probably rebounding, which then leads to easy offense. Can I just throw one more thing in yeah. while we're doing CTT here and I'm on the hot seat? You know, I have often advocated for the offensive incentive plan. I want to share this with your listeners because I think this is really important. And I don't mean just on campus. I mean across conference and, and to the NCAA. I want you and your contract to have an offensive incentive for your players um, to become better offensive players. So 
I know coaches are competitive and highly driven and they like to win. And they also, some of them are motivated by money. I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying some of them are, you know, the bonus structure and contracts for attendance and academics. Okay. Academics, forget that. Every coach, that's your job. You're ultimately a teacher. Your kids are supposed to graduate. Attendance is a byproduct of winning. Winning is a byproduct of offense. If you have an incentive in your contract for your team to shoot against light competition, so not in the non-conference, but in conference play in the Pac-12, if your team shot 48% from the floor and only turned it over 11 times, you're going to win. And you're <laughs> going to get a big fat incentive for doing so. And I think every a- athletic director. Ladies and they, gentlemen, you heard it here. I, I mean, it's, it's, is this, ha- have you shared this? Oh, with yeah, all I've people? got a couple of ADs I mean, you, have actually put this into contracts. I actually it's am fabulous. moving this. This is going to be my new passion. Uh, Well, it's not my new passion. I've been selling this for a long time. It's just people don't always listen to me, right? (laughs) They 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 can't get past the Sweet Sixteen to Vegas with me until I get to the the greater depth of everything that I I like to promote in our game. I think the women's basketball community listens to you, Debbie. I I think that yes, I I know that they do. Okay, we'll probably need have time for one more hot topic, and I want it to be your hot topic. What topic are you most passionate about right now? in the game. I'm probably most passionate about trying to get more young girls participating in our game. Um, I run a girls only sports camp and the effort there is to try to introduce sport to girls, not just basketball. And this is a mom and wife of three sons. So it's, you know, who, you know, like we both have sons that play athletics, but the fact that you are dedicated to women is awesome. Sorry, go ahead. And my boys all participate in my camps. So they're the only boys that are working (laughs) the camp. But the rest of them uh, are young girls and I teach them all kinds of sport and I want them to play. I think women are playing more sport opportunities than we've ever had, but I want them playing our sport. So while I'm I'm teaching young girls six, seven, eight, nine to get involved and to play. I'm also teaching their port, their parents about why sport is important. And uh, I'm obviously there's an emphasis towards basketball. That's my sport. I think that's a really hard sport to play. And uh, as long as um, I can continue to do my camps, that's going to be my push is to get young women to play sport and to understand why sport is important, and for their parents to understand why playing multiple sports are important. You're amazing. I mean, I don't know anybody else in my life in the game that dedicates so much time to the growth of the game, Debbie. I mean, you're you're a broadcaster, and you know you're you're raising your family, and you know you do the media training, and you help run tournaments, and you do a lot of things that are your job. But you do so much beyond your job to help all of us. So thank you. Well, thank you, Charlie. Thank you for putting me uh, on the hot seat for as your first guest. Thank you very much. All right. Till next time. Okay, now it's my turn to weigh in, and I thought it would be very appropriate since Debbie Antonelli was our guest, and she is a phenomenal communicator, to talk a little bit about communication. We teach our players, you master language, you master life. 
And it really starts with how you talk with yourself. Being positive, being honest is so critical. I mean, if we're in a good place, then we'll be better communicators with other people. Some of our keys that we focus on here with ASU Women's Basketball to have mindful, disciplined communication is first and foremost, be willing to say what needs to be said at the right time, in the right way. Simply put, honesty and transparency. That's what we all want. I think, especially in this day and age, being respectful, even if you are being disrespected, you know, let go of being right and work to find solutions. Another big one that we focus on here is just being a great listener. That's, that's something that we, we all, you know, a lot of us wait for our turn to talk, but being empathetic and accepting of other people's point of views and perspectives is, uh, is a really incredible communication skill. Our best tool that we like to share with people when somebody is struggling is simply to ask them, how can I help? And then body language. Wow, do we communicate a lot with our body language. Matter of fact, studies show that our body language and tone are about 60 to 65% of what we communicate. So in other words, most of the time people don't even hear your words. <laughs> so make sure you have positive body language and that you choose your words appropriately, but that also your tone and how you present is positive. Research shows that the more we rely on digital interaction, the less we know about each other. We may be communicating, but we're not really connecting and engaging with each other. If I had one thing to encourage everybody on today is maybe ask yourself, how, how is that working out for you looking at everybody's highlight reel every day and you know, having your relationships through text messages? Face-to-face -face communication is the best way to really be connected and have real relationships. And I wish that for everybody. There's a great quote by George Bernard Shaw it says the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has happened. <laughs> and I would argue that if we're communicating through our phone, especially not with our voice, that that communication is barely happening and often misinterpreted. So I wish everybody a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and very authentic communication. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of It's My Turn with Charlie Turner Thorne.